Welcome to Learning Minnesota, connecting people one conversation at a time. Today's guests are Anna Sawyer and Mallory Felt, founders of Educators First. Our topic today will share all about Anna and Mallory's work with Educators First. Mallory and Anna, you know what? Let's talk. Before we do, or actually to segue nicely into what we are going to talk about with all of the things that Educators First has done and has become and is excited to offer, um, if each of you might be able to share why did this uh, particular concept around Educators First, why did it speak to you? So what are some parts of your life story that led you into being able to create something like this? So I'll jump in first, Mallory. Um, I began my career in education and I grew up with a parent as an administrator. And so I grew up firsthand seeing the stress that is involved um, working in a small town, having all these school board meetings and, you know, my dad missing birthdays and trying to juggle. I don't think with either of my parents, I saw them at sporting events. I mean, for them, it was so difficult. And then I started working in the schools. And I saw the same exact thing. It was pretty daily that I was with administration, teachers, or professionals, just talking about like, what's going on? How do we manage this? You know, there are even days that I would come into work with tears in my eyes, like, I don't know how to handle what's going on, right? I mean, we've all been there, you're not in education. Um, and we all used each other as support, but what I really noticed was there was nothing else. Um, I live in Maine and around here, EAP takes several weeks to get started. And, or if you wanted to actually have a full-time therapist, it's gonna be months to a year wait. And so most of us, that is not addressing what we need. Um, so this is why, you know, I've chosen to do this. I was asked by a local school department to come up with um, some resources for teachers and educators during the pandemic. And I was approached last August about that. And I was really excited. And I actually had met Mallory during a course that we're taking. Um, and so I reached out to her knowing she was in schools and said, you know, what do you think? Like, how is this going? You know, what are your thoughts? And she's like, wow, we started to get really big with our ideas. Like, oh, this could be great. And then, of course, um, <laughs> the joys of working from home, honestly, right, you guys? But so Mallory and I, we just got to laugh, right? So I reached out to Mallory and, you know, we both just got so big, so quick and hung up the phone. And I was like, wow, it'd kind of be cool if Mallory did something like this, maybe me. And so I don't know, within five or 10 minutes, I had a voicemail from Mallory saying, hey, I'm just going to toss this out there. What do you think? And before she even finished, I was calling her being like, yes, this is awesome. You know, Mallory and I didn't know anyone, either, either of us at all. So it was just, it was perfect. And I feel like I know her and we've just developed this amazing program together. So yeah, that's my story. And that's pretty perfect for how I got so involved with it too, because yes, Anna was the one that was approached, but when she talked to me about it, I was so excited not to, I mean, at the time I wasn't even joining her, but I was just thinking, this is so great. Like this needs to happen because I have been a school social worker for three years. Prior to that, I did therapy in home family therapy. I worked with individuals and couples and families. Um, but being a school social worker, I see the stress that it has on not only students, but staff as well. Um, I know before COVID, you know, there was a teacher that I had 
become close with. And he was talking to me about how he was just feeling so burnt out. And I went to administration and I said, we need to do something for our teachers. We need to, you know, we need to help them. And the response was like, yeah, like figure it out, like help us. And so I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, like I was overwhelmed with the thought of like, okay, I need to help figure out what to do for them. And then COVID happened. And I didn't feel like our administration was failing by any means, but I felt as though we were all just really struggling with how, like, what are we doing and how do we do this and how are our staff going to survive this? Um, I would be in on our, we had staff meetings pretty often via Zoom. And I remember feeling like during the meeting, I just felt my heart falling into my stomach and listening to these teachers with their struggles. And like after each staff meeting, I would start crying. I was, my husband is also a teacher. He was, he's a FIAD teacher and he, you know, had to be very innovative to make it work. And he was. And so he would, you know, go to these meetings. And I remember we had very different views of it and he felt really frustrated with whatever, what everything that was going on. And I just felt really sad and really depressed about it all. And I felt like, oh my gosh, is this still going to be going on in the fall? Like, are we still going to be dealing with this? And then as the summer went on, um, you know, getting closer to the school year, there were so many unknowns and it made me feel so stressed. And so when Anna was telling me about what she was going to do, I was like, we need to do this for everyone. You know, this isn't just a main thing. This is a Minnesota thing now. And so... And so I was, I just put it out there like, hey, let's work together on this. Let's make it a resource that can be all over the nation so that schools can find some support in this really unknown time. Because like I said, I didn't feel like administration was failing by any means, but we were all in a situation where it's like, how are we going to do this? And I think in my school district, we went through a lot of like in-person, in-distance learning, in-person, in-distance learning, especially the first semester. And now since second semester, we've done well. We only have one class right now that's in quarantine, which you know is gonna probably happen every now and again with COVID still being a thing. But I just see it being something where even though it feels like we're on the other end of it, you know, we just, I, we still need that support. We still need to, feel like what we're doing is valued and the extra length that we're going for our students is seen and appreciated and just to feel supported by our school district is really important. Thank you both for sharing. I'm practicing being in the moment uh, when I'm listening and there are several takeaways that I already have just with you sharing your stories and a few questions or wonders. I really, so I am also in the world of education. I am a social emotional learning coordinator. So it's kind of like everything you're saying speaks to my heart <laughs> and I so agree with it. And prior to this, I was a, a general ed classroom teacher and I agree, pre-pandemic, this was still a need. This was something that we were already seeing that the people that are going into becoming educators, those numbers were declining. We're already seeing that educators are feeling strapped and you know that they have already so much on their plate and they're already going above and beyond and already working outside contract time and already putting every student in front of, you know, need in front of their own. And then it was like, so that was before. And then the pandemic, which just then, 
it just exponentially magnified that need. Uh, but as you said, Mallory, I think the leaders who originally maybe everybody looks to as the decision makers, it's not that they were failing, but every single person was in that survival mode where now it's less about everybody else's needs and more, uh, you know, like I need to make sure I can do this or, or it just, it's, it becomes more, I, I'm going to say self-centered, if that makes sense. When you're surviving, it's very much all about you. And so of course, then it feels like the need is heightened, but the ability to do it probably goes, declines a little bit because everybody's really just trying to keep their heads above water on their own. Uh, so when you shared that, I saw it and I saw pre-pandemic and I saw during pandemic. And then you spoke about that, you know, maybe we're, I don't want to say over the hump, but we're starting to see schools are opening up a little bit more in person businesses, organizations, places are opening up. We're seeing turning back of dials. We're seeing vaccinations. And it just seems like people are starting to um, experience less and less of the restrictions and the unease of constant changes and choices and decisions and outcomes. So now it's going to allow us to maybe hope for something normal or something that's consistent. But that doesn't mean, though, then that any of this need should be dropped or should be swept as a second piece because it existed before the pandemic. And so, yeah, so maybe I don't even have a question, but I just wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to share based on both of your stories. Yes. Yes. And then a thousand times. Yes. So. Exactly. And <laughs> I, I want to touch on that too, because yeah. I think that's the piece that we kind of forget is like, I think people have been super supportive of like, teachers are working so hard, like, thank you, teachers. And that's great. But yeah, like, what about before COVID? I mean, I think we were burning out then and like struggling then. And so even once things do start to calm down with COVID, which I'm even afraid of even saying, and I'm going to knock on my wood table, but I think like that day will come and then we still need to show our, not just teachers, but our school staff, like all of them, how much they're valued, how much they're appreciated, that the work they're putting in is noticed and that we want them to keep their jobs. Like we want them to stay. Um, last year when all this before COVID, but when I was really freaking out that we were going to lose teachers, my husband and I were talking and I was like, we have so many amazing teachers that are going to end up quitting because they are worn out. They're worn out. They're tired of the same thing. They don't have a support system. And that's really hard. I hate the idea of good teachers leaving work. You know, we had one in our school district that did leave and it's just like, it kills my soul a little bit to think of these people that are so amazing at their job leaving. And I would add into that even so you have one, thankfully only one, but still that one, just like in a classroom setting, one student being absent in a day, it changes the entire dynamic of the community or the culture that was built. So when one staff member exits, 
suddenly everyone is also impacted in a way because that it's it's the the bigger picture that 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 piece to the greater whole and when you're missing that piece suddenly the puzzle is incomplete you know and then it takes time to find somebody to fill that and then of course there's the building of relationships and then it's so it just uh i agree it's it's very very difficult to to fathom anybody having to leave because it just it's too too much it's too stressful it's too daunting it's too tasking so with that then i am i know on the second part of the outline it talks about uh what are i would assume the recent disruption is pan- the pandemic itself of the traditional system so maybe what we can do is we 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 touched on it a little bit that pre-pandemic there was this need during the pandemic this need has been heightened what are maybe the most significant negative impacts that have happened because of not to say everything was cupcakes and rainbows beforehand we just talked about that but what really was kind of like the suckiest moments or the suckiest parts of what the pandemic has um has done in relation to then supporting educators and then we're going to finish this part with what it what has it done in a good way or like how how what is the silver lining anna would you mind starting with that do you like what are some of the worst impacts or the most negative the teachers in our community and the educators have been facing a little a different situation with the pandemic we also have a huge aspect of the community that is very vocal and from the very beginning of the pandemic our teachers did not feel supported by our community it it has been just it is tense people go on facebook and share their opinions and we're all related and all of our kids are together and it's just cool what happens and when we had our first case you should have seen the blow up that happened you know and it was by chance and it was one of those girls who did everything right never went out her mom was in the school too and people were cruel to them and so what we've really seen is that backlash and i think that is one of the saddest things and our community has always been very vocal but really the teachers not feeling supported at all and the educators and very early on with our group that was one of the things they ver- they really valued was hearing you know we value you you know we know you're doing the best um and we don't expect you to uh be magicians and, and to fix it all so for me that's one of the biggest um hurdles and challenges that the pandemic has brought and hopefully being able as we look forward how we can repair that and bring the community back together so that the teachers do feel very supported right now we're still trying to figure out if we're going to go back full time um into school uh so that as you can imagine is an extremely stressful um topic right now and so you actually pointed out something that made me go a little bit deeper and say aha with the pandemic going into it it was we value you and then there were a lot of things where people had different opinions different stances and i know i've heard the word polarization just kind of smattered everywhere that you can think however because people were asked to remain in their home spaces then i would assume 
the use of social media and the need to connect increased, right? And so when you are on digital or virtual, it's because it's not in person and you have less of the body language to read. And it's more just the kind of more of a surfacey message. You are more inclined to be able to freely and without thinking a second thought hit comment or post or send or whatever it is. And then suddenly people are at odds with one another and no more than are educators feeling supported because they're able to see all of these comments that are coming through. Whereas I would wonder if this were to happen when everybody was in the same space, in person, in a room together, the outcome would be so much different, right? And so the the heightened use of social media because people needed to feed that connection, um, that human need, that then set off the more polarization, that sort of a thing. So thank you for sharing that. Cause I, when I was thinking like really the negative impacts are I, I here in Minnesota, I think uh, the, the worry about going back to in-person and then bringing it to, you know, have running the risk of coming home with your own family and maybe having them con- contract and you don't even know about it because when you're in a school setting, you're with kids and yes, I know a lot of people say uh, frontline workers, everybody else is in contact with people. Kids just don't wash their hands as much. They don't wear their masks correctly as much. You know, I mean, there's so many. With, with, with kids, you're teaching them how to be more sanitary. You're teaching them how to practice good hygiene. And so there's that argument about, okay, well, if you're going to send me into a room with 20 other human beings who just so happen to need a constant reminder of all of these things, I think your risk for, you know, contracting if there is um, a student who brings it in is greatly increased. So Mallory, did you want to add anything else for what might you have seen as one of the biggest negative impacts before we move to the silver lining piece? It is, it's too bad I have so many <laughs> to say. Um, I think there have been some silver linings, which is great, but you know, just the increase in anxiety for both staff and students, um, you know, missing that connection. I know at the beginning of the year, we had a lot of restrictions that we had to do within the class and within my office being a school social worker, where in the past I met with so many students not only the ones that are on an IEP, but students that are in the general ed classroom. And then at the beginning of the year, I know I felt a huge shift because, um, you know, I wasn't able to see the students like I used to. And so, and that was hard for me. I felt like, oh, am I even doing my job anymore? Am I doing it as well as I could be doing it? How many kids are missing out on this? And I just know even, you know, with our staff, they feel that same way where, you know, at the elementary school, cause I'm at the high school and the elementary school at the elementary school, kids run up to you. And what are you supposed to do? Say like, no, 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 back away, six feet. I don't believe in that. I think like these kids need this connection and, and it's not always about our beliefs. Cause I know that I can have a certain opinion. And if I work for a school district, I have to go by what they are saying we have to do. And I respect that too. 
Um, but I think that's been a huge thing too, because people have really strong opinions, really strong emotions. And like Anna was saying, like our administration and our school does the best that they can. But if the community, if the community doesn't back that, or if your school board thinks differently, that can be so hard. And so I think I've said all year, I'm just happy. I'm not the one that has to decide all of this. I'm so happy. I'm not the one that has to make these really big decisions, but I think this is why we all need support, administration included, because I can't even imagine being someone that has to say like, sorry, everybody, we're going distance learning until Christmas or until after Christmas break. I mean, I think, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Um, and then there's the frustrations with technology. Yeah. We, you know, I don't know, Anna, we had talked about how are we gonna bring this up? <laughs> I think it's funny that not only is the uh, issues with technology a barrier and has been so difficult, at the same time, it's silver linings. And that's what I've really seen. For some teachers, it's worked really well to work from home. Um, but on the other hand, like Zoom is terrible. Zoom is horrible. <laughs> Groups, everything like that. And one of the other silver linings is learning how to laugh at ourselves. Um, because I don't think we've been that vulnerable before with our students, with our coworkers, to really be able to say, oh yeah, that was just my dog barking right now, or <laughs> my kid's jumping on me during class. Um, so yeah, I see it both ways. Um, the other part that's challenging is that in Maine, we have a whole generation of teachers that are moving towards retirement. And that was very, very difficult for teachers to overcome and paraprofessionals to overcome that barrier. Um, and a lot ended up retiring early because they just didn't want to have to learn a new system of technology and manage it. Um, most of our teachers are having, they're teaching all at once. They're teaching the fully remote, the hybrid and in the classroom at once. I'm going to just jump back because Anna, you segued nicely into the silver linings, which we'll touch more on. Uh, <laughs> Mallory, when you shared and you questioned whether what you were doing was enough or if you, you know, were making an impact. And then you said, and that's everybody, all, all teachers, everybody who has some sort of a stakeholding role in education for sure was questioning whether their role, what they were doing, what they were able to do was have, making any difference. And then suddenly, then that impacts our own self-worth, our own thought of our, how much we are valued and whether we're valued at all. And that can really cause somebody to maybe spiral into more of that, that state of depression, thinking what I'm doing really isn't mattering at all sort of a thing. So I think that is also a big uh, negative impact that happened because of it is the maybe the, the grief process that we went through in losing what we knew was impactful when it was in person and now trying to figure out how we can translate it in a virtual world or in a digital world. And it just, there's something more surfacey about a digital or virtual world. It doesn't have the layers of, like we said, that body language or that you want to touch and hug a kid and that sort of a thing. So a lot of people did struggle with thinking well, about if they were, if they were worth it, if they were enough. And I think it's interesting, like you mentioned, like this happened because of COVID. 
but this is what was happening to teachers before. They would question, am I even making a difference? What am I doing as a teacher? What am I doing as a para? You know, am I having the impact that I want to have? And so I think that COVID, okay, gross, but this is a silver lining of COVID, I guess. I hate even thinking of COVID being a silver lining because I hate it so much, but it's making those things that much more visible that teachers are feeling this. And it's forcing us to do something about it. Like we, Anna and I, we wouldn't have created educators first had COVID not happened. And thank God we did. I mean, this is something that teachers have needed for so long. I'm sure there are resources available to teachers that they wouldn't looked into had COVID not happened. When you said that, you know what I pictured? I'm also a very visual person. Like the boiling of salt water or, or if you have a giant strainer and you dip it into the sand and you shake it, like COVID is the, like the shaking of it, but what it's doing is it's allowing the, the needs or the pieces that we need to look at and address and really focus on to surface or to come, you know, into our peripheral vision. So it's less about, okay, I know it exists, but there's so many other things I need to take care of. And now it's like they exist, they're right in front of you and there's no more sweeping it under the rug or setting it out, uh, you know, on the, on the back burner sort of a thing. Then, uh, like you said too, you don't want to say COVID is the silver lining, but what it did was it, it caused some really key pieces to be able to surface, such as recognizing that educators uh, and, and educational stakeholders, all of the, the team that consists of that, that whole picture need to be presented to be given to be empowered to have all of the supports that they need and and that is just as equal as what we always advocate for the staff to do for the students and their families so I'm just gonna this is another piece that I really I had an aha during the pandemic that yes we can do SEL in our classrooms. Yes, we need to focus on whether our students are coming to school, if they're, if they're fed and how they feel, like are they, are they feeling safe? Are they feeling welcome and comfortable? But we can't just focus on putting them first. And that sounds horrible because as an educator or somebody in education, it's always you last, right? That's what it kind of seems like. But now it's not you first but you as well, all of us, all of the staff, all of the students, all of the family, all of the community, we all need to come to the table to know that our needs are going to be equally focused and, and welcome and honored. So I'm excited. Like, do we want, do you want to share other silver linings? Because now I feel like now we can talk I have another silver lining. I have another one. And I also want to do a bad thing. I'm going to say it out loud now so that we can come back and you guys can remind me what it was. The one silver lining is the balance that people are finding and the skills they're learning to balance life. Steph, when you were just talking about students, it really made me start thinking about how many students that we work with that only get their meals at school, that only get breakfast and lunch at school. Um, that the only hug they might get is from somebody at school. The only consistency they have at school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is such a tremendous loss and such a stress on all the educators who just love these kids so much and, and they worry. And then we go virtual and you might never see them again. And so that I think is is huge and has played a huge role in depression um, with educators and just really feeling like 
not not succeeding because those are the kids that really need that's you know us was there a term for that there's uh so i subscribe to the the ascd educational leadership magazine that comes out bi-monthly and Mm -hmm. There was one specifically on mental health for educators. I believe it was the October, November, maybe shortly before that. But it spoke about a, there's a term that matches what you were just describing, Anna, where there is, you put your, your all into those you serve. And then when those you serve are hurting or in pain or experience trauma, you yourself also have kind of, I feel like it's a secondary. I was just going to say secondary trauma. Okay. Or vicarious. Yeah. So that's a familiar thing that, you know, like even I know we, we, when we were in, well, I'm not in therapy anymore, but doing school social work now, that's something that we're trained on is how to recognize that within ourselves. So in my position as school social worker, I may do okay noticing that but teachers and paras probably don't get that same training. And so it's a lot more challenging when they're then the ones that are, are taking that on. And they really feel like it's just a them problem. And that's, I think the worst, everyone feels like it's just them. They're the issue. Okay, so let me jump into my strength before I forget it. So through the pandemic, I've been working with a lot of educators who have now found a much better balance in life. We've worked with different ways to separate work um, from home, to find a better balance, to not be that stressed out adult that comes home and kind of like freaks out on everybody. And I think that that is a huge benefit that has come out of the pandemic is, is teachers and educators being able to leave their computer, leave it at work or in the other room where your office is, but leave it there and really find time to spend time and enjoy themselves and and find that balance, which I think is gonna be great uh, post pandemic and really hope that that continues and that level of self-care continues that we don't need to work 24 seven. I think too, you know, educators and school staff have found a different way to reach students, which has also been really great. Mm -hmm. I know that I've learned what Google Hangouts are and I message kids like every day, say, just checking in. And that's been a nice way for me to be able to reach a lot of those students. Mm-hmm. Last year, I did not know what Google Hangouts were. I had never done a Google Meet. I had never done a Zoom meeting. And mm-hmm. so I think like there have been those benefits where we're learning new ways and some students are thriving. Some students we are learning can really handle this new way. And that's great for them because... I have always believed like one way is not necessarily going to be the best way for everyone, but that's probably true for teachers as well. Like maybe people are finding things that really work for them and that's been exciting. So if there are silver linings, there they are. And another one, sorry, I keep going, Um, but it has provided an opportunity for administration to really show their appreciation for their staff. I mean, of course, like it's great to be appreciated and we hope that administration show their staff that they're valued, but what better way to show them they're valued by doing something extra for them because they're working so much harder or because they are going through something that's been stressful for them and they wanna show their staff, hey, we care about you, we love you, and this is what we're doing about it. Mm So two things that came when both of you were sharing 
the more silver linings and positives that are surfacing throughout. One is I recognized I'm not, my weakness is saying no. My weakness is telling someone no when a request or when they're showing that they are in need, even if they're not requesting and I just want to help whatever. So because of the pandemic and so many more needs surfaced, I had officially taken on too much. And so it forced me to say no. So beforehand, it was like I could find little squeaks of time here and there and say, yeah, I'll take that on. And or yes, I can help you with that. But I literally, my plate was full. And so any sort of yes that I would have had would have caused me not to be able to follow through with it. And that would have totally impacted me more than anything else. And so it forced me to be able to say no. And now I feel a little bit more comfortable saying no, even if I do have those squeaks of time. So maybe that is something to be said. Like you said, Anna, is that leaving your computer in um, a different room or maybe unfollowing people on Facebook or unsubscribing to newsletters or whatever it might be. It's people have found unique and necessary ways to help with their own self-care. And Mallory, when you were talking about the support from leaders, I think prior pandemic, we might have had, you know, uh, muffins in the morning, or let's put a little chocolate in your mailbox sort of a thing. And maybe that still continues. However, I've noticed that there are very unique ways of showing teachers, educators, stakeholders, that they are supported here and now as well. And I think a lot of people have, I've seen a lot of reports that, you know, say we need, we need support that looks like this, not like this. So it's helped bring more clarity about what really some great support could look like rather than putting chocolate, which, hey, I'm always more chocolate (laughs) or coffee or that sort of a thing, but some really neat ways for people to be able to express and show gratitude to one another. With that said, then, like I said, I was, I was excited and I, I continue to be. Now we get to talk about speaking of supports and speaking of unique ways to be able to show gratitude and, and help. Uh, let's get into talking about educators first. And what, what is it? What do you do? So I, I'm going to just let you both take it on and, and whoever wants to start can start. So um, educators first. This started in so many different ways when Mallory and I started really trying to figure out how we can meet the needs of educators, not to have to listen to topics you don't want to hear about during times when you really could be doing something a lot better, where there's not going to be any follow up anyways. So why go? Why do this? And so we really worked hard to develop this program where teachers will be able to access any time that they want to. Uh, Educators can reach out to us at any time. And we really worked hard on the different formats so that um, this is really gonna be accessible. And I'm gonna let you jump in, Mallory. And when Anna and I both say educators, um, I think people automatically go to teachers, but we're talking about all school staff, you know, the school districts that we have enrolled, it's open to anyone that works for that school district, because I think, you know, they all need this support. Another great thing about our format is that, like Anna said, you know, sometimes you go to a meeting or 
professional development that, you know, everyone's going to it. So we have to go to it. And we sit there, our school district pays sometimes thousands of dollars for someone to come talk. And it's not relevant to me, or it's not something that I'm going to be able to use in my classroom, or it's not, it's just not something I'm interested in. And so what our group does is it allows you to be the judge of what you want. And if you can also listen to something that is relevant to you and that um, you're going to apply the next day, it's going to give you more buy-in. It's going to have be something that you, you know, want to talk about, want to try the next day. And I saw you unmuted yourself. I'm guessing you have- well, it reminded me of what you tell me that your husband does right before work, like that he listens to our speakers in the morning because that's the best time for him. And I was also smiling because how great is it to be able to put in an earbud, cook dinner while listening to a presenter talk about ways to de-stress yourself and multitasking, which is what we all need. You know, you can really still be grading the papers if you want to. So I think that that's one of the great things that this also allows. We do have two different formats that we offer this on. Uh, We started with offering it on Facebook. And we started with that because we really want this to be interactive. We want um, educators to be able to connect with other educators across the United States, across the world. Um, We really want to have this connection. So our program is offered uh, in two different formats. We initially started with Facebook and of course came across a lot of barriers because a lot of educators are trying to stay off of Facebook because of all the negativeness that is there. And, but we really wanted to start this way because it's interactive and we can have uh, people connect with other like-minded professionals across the United States. Um, But also knowing that a lot of times you can't even access Facebook from school unless you're like off their internet or whatnot. So we've also developed a program that is um, a website that is on all platforms. And it even has an app that you can have on your phone. But so you you can use that on a laptop, you know, while you're at school, you know, let's say that you are just really stressed out. Um, And actually maybe your students are also, you know, you could pull up something and do a quick quick activity with your students and yourself to ground yourself, you know, and it's right there at your fingertips. Um, I'll let Mallory talk a little bit more about some of the different speakers that we have. Before I do that, um, the thing about Facebook too, so yeah, Anna's right, we did see a lot of barriers. We had, mm-hmm. um, you know, some people just not feeling comfortable with that, which I totally understand. Facebook was great because I know that at night I sometimes sit on my newsfeed and just, or on Facebook and I go through my newsfeed. And then if there was something relevant that popped up, like, okay, I'm going to watch this. And like, this is so easy. Like, that's the part that I love about it. But Anna was able to find something that can mimic that. And so now we are a lot more intentional about, okay, I know that I need something. I'm going to go to this and I'm going to watch a speaker for 30 minutes and gain something from it. Or one other thing that we do is we put out a calendar at the beginning of the month that shows who our speakers are going to be, the times, the dates, and what they're going to speak on. And so at that point too, they can look at that month and say, okay, what do I need to make sure that, I, that I'm that i at? And so we have had, I'll, I'll just read through some of the speakers that we've had. We've had Um, people speaking on mindfulness and easy ways to incorporate that into your workday, balancing work and home, um, health, wellness, and nutrition, 
issues with addiction, positive mindset, um, seasonal affective disorder, anxiety reduction, we, and, and so much more. But those are just some of them that we had written down um, to make sure to share. These are things that, yes, they can help you in your professional development, but also in your personal development. And I think, yes, this year is the year that we're maybe noticing hmm, the two correlate and we need to take care of ourselves in all areas. And so that's what we're doing and that's what we're providing. Um, Anna, do you want to speak a little bit about our how our guest speakers are that much more involved? So that is exactly what I was starting to think about. Our speakers also have free groups of their own and they are very involved. Most of them are coaches or clinicians um, who have been in the field, who are hands-on. And what's great is that if you make a connection with one of them, you can join their free group. You can learn more about their topic and get additional support. You can reach out to them through private messenger. They will talk to you. Um, and that's follow-up that you do not get in school. You do not have that instant person to talk to, give you that additional education. Um, and you don't have the benefit to reach out to Mallory and I, which is also one of the best parts about our program is that um, we offer ourselves as coaches for staff to reach out to us. You know, And if they do have a question, um, if they do have a topic they'd like us to talk about. But I think a great example is, you know, maybe you're struggling with anxiety and nothing seems to be working, you know, you can reach out to Mallory and I will be like, oh, okay, let's try this. Let's, let's try to figure this out and troubleshoot with you. Um, and so I think, I really think that's one of the best benefits that honestly, people don't take enough advantage of, you know, I'll be honest, I would love to be able to pick up the phone and call a coach and say, hey, help me out right now. I don't know what to do. That is awesome. And it sounds to me like really what you're doing is you are duly building in a coaching system, but also a multi-tiered networking system as well. So it's, it's like all encompassing where when you belong, you belong and you have all of these different mm -hmm. uh, availabilities and options to you, which is amazing because then it becomes even more personalized. Like you had said, Mallory, you can look on the calendar and say, what is it that fits me? And what doesn't, uh, you know, and be able to choose. And then that's, the, you're personalizing your own, mm -hmm. your own journey. The last part about our website that we haven't talked about yet is courses that we offer. We have um, self-paced courses on different topics that um, educators can go and take a look at. Uh, we are happy to tailor that to cover some more topics if somebody needs. Um, but that is also just a great way to stay on top of everything and um, just have all these different resources at your fingertips. And once again, personalizing. So maybe you yeah. don't want or you can't attend something live or maybe the so it not only is it personalizing for what do I need, but now it's how am I going to, whether I want to do mm -hmm. a webinar, a Facebook, um, go on the website or mm -hmm. do my own um, yeah. course. Yes, that's another piece too about, um, you know, when we were or having it this year on Facebook, yes, people can interact live and then the presenter can, you know, respond to what you're commenting, which is really great. But if you're not able to make it at that time, you can always watch a replay and you can always still interact. And our presenters that we have are so great about coming back and commenting on 
that person's comments so that they really can interact and get the most out of it. A lot of our speakers too have, like Anna said, they have a group, but then they also have been really good about sharing resources. And then within our resources, we have things that like PDFs that people can fill out, like for goal setting, for example, so that they can really um, focus on what they want to improve on and then keep track of it. And then it, again, with us being accessible through educators first. If they wanted to go through that with us, they'd definitely be able to. Because that is a thing that we have really been intentional about is being available to the people that are members within our group. And to jump and tag on to that is that Mallory and I are our educational consultants and coaches in this role. Uh, everyone gets the added benefit of our clinical backgrounds that we have, but you know we're not providing therapy. Um, but we will help link people up to local resources and we have local resources and state resources already listed for people and our automatic first response is, you know, go to your EAP service, you know, talk to your school if it is more than just, you know, hey, let's touch base and some coaching. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else that when you want to add, I'm looking at the list of different offerings and pieces of educators first. And I think, so you've touched on guest speakers, resources, courses, and then we, we really talked about the creating that community, that networking system. It's personalized in more ways than one. So it really, it seems like it, it covers the whole gamut. And it's exciting because it really focuses on something that you know, should it should have existed long before the pandemic, but how amazing is it right now that we have you and we have you ready to go. So thank you. Thank you for that. The next part that I see on the outline is maybe to share now a little bit of some takeaways to start. So for leaders in districts, in buildings, um, or maybe even leaders in the classroom, what is something that they could walk away with and try tomorrow or try in the very near future? One thing that would be great, so there's a couple different things that you can do starting tomorrow, is if you are an administrator, going to your staff and asking them if they feel supported, if they feel valued. I know that that's really hard sometimes to put ourselves out there because then there's the possibility that we hear no, actually, I don't. But I think wouldn't you rather know that? That's what I think at least is, you know, even if it's hard to hear, and Anna and I know this ourselves being now business owners and in the positions that we're in, it's always better to know if there's something that you feel like could be improved because then we can work on it. And so, yes, how do you go about doing that? So even sending out a Google survey um, that asks a, a couple questions, or maybe if you already do have something in place, even asking your staff, do you feel like this is enough? Are you benefiting from this? Like if you have something that your school does already, asking your staff if they feel as though they're getting enough out of it or what they feel like is lacking. Um, Anna, is there anything else that we had talked about? The other thing, the other thing I think that's really important for administration is to be vulnerable to show your staff that this is hard for you also. Um, so they don't feel so alone. Like be able to say, you know what? It was a hard day today or the pandemic really sucks. You know, <laughs> if you were vulnerable and put it out there or like, you know what? I do have a home life and it is hard to balance everything. Your staff is gonna relate to you and they're gonna feel like, you know what? They're on the same page. We all have the same struggles and we really all are struggling from 
superintendents to paraprofessionals, we're all struggling with the exact same thing. And then the other thing too is if you are, you know, a staff person and wanting to apply something tomorrow, um, one thing would be to go to your administration and find out if there's something in place already that can support you. Because sometimes there are resources that we aren't even accessing. And that to me seems silly, right? Like if there's something out there and we just don't know about it, we at least need to become aware so that we can start using it. And if there's not something, talk about a plan for putting something in, in action so that your school can be supported, not just the, the, the teachers, but everyone. I mean, office staff, administration, custodians are working so hard, so much harder than they, I mean, I know that they're always hardworking, but I can't even imagine everything that they have to do this year. And so I think all of us need the support. And so if there's not something in place, there needs to be. Yeah. And there's, it, what I hear you saying is there is this dual responsibility, so to speak, where the leaders, it's the responsibility of the leaders to survey, to collect feedback and allow that feedback to be either just for it to be raw, whether that means giving it, allowing it to be anonymous or just being open to seeing what's going to come back. Because as you said, Mallory, it's so important to see where there might be things that are not working so that you can reflect and revise moving forward. But on the opposite end, it's not the role of the uh, educators, other stakeholder that is not in that leadership position to sit back and to wait either. And I, I also find difficulty in saying that because I know everybody's already taxed. However, your own health and being supported and finding joy in your role has to come before all else so that you can be the best version of yourself for those you serve. So if you are an employee, it's also your responsibility to seek out and understand what is available or maybe what needs to come to fruition for the purpose of the greater good of the entire community. And interestingly enough, and now I'm putting on my teacher lens, this also could be done in a classroom, right? I mean, if you're serving students, you should be seeing if they feel safe and supported and, you know, kind of the same questions and, and, and they should be encouraged to advocate for themselves as well. So it's just, it's kind of, um, it's all encompassing is what it is. So, you know, and one of the things that I find that's been hard for educators and kids and the students is transitioning. You know, we have this whole different situation now and especially as adults, we need to transition so quickly. And, you know, one uh, transition that's always been really hard that I want to talk about with you is office to home, but also home to home, you know, because those are two different things. And so when you are in the situation where you get to go to school and you need to transition home, uh, one of the things I say is, you know, don't talk on the phone. Don't, because usually that always ends up getting into something stressful. What you really need to do is to use the time to ground yourself, ground yourself from the day, center yourself. For those of us whose minds just keep going, great ideas listening to a podcast or an audiobook. Um, but then the most important thing is when you get home, I need you to really be mindful and take, you know, three intentional deep breaths and let all of that negative stress from school stay outside of your car. Open the door so it stays outside. 
so that when you go inside, you're now a new person. Now that's a lot easier to do than if you are somebody who has to teach virtually right now. Working from your home to your home office is difficult because many of us don't even have an office, right? We're makeshifting on the couch, on the kitchen table. So what I recommend is one of the most important things is to find a way to physically separate yourself. Physically put that computer away, put the briefcase away. Um, Sometimes people use one of those accordion uh, curtains so that they're hiding their little desk in their office space. So that is the most important thing, out of sight, out of mind, so that you don't keep coming back to that. A couple more ways to make this as an easier transition is to change your clothes from your work clothes, which I call your work comfy clothes, to your comfy clothes, okay? Make that transition. Make it so that there's really something happening. Then what I recommend, take five to 10 minute break. 10 to 20, really take a walk outside, get some fresh air, but just take that time to yourself because you don't get it like you did that car ride home. And then the last part is after you take that little break, once again, I need you to really stop and mindfully think, okay, this is where I am. I'm now going to be home. I'm now going to be mom. I'm going to be wife. I'm going to be doggy parent. And take those three really big, deep breaths again, and just let the stress out. And you will find by doing these things that your transitions will be so much smoother and you'll actually start to feel less stressed at home. And so a question I wanted you all to think about was on a scale of one to 10, how well do you actually think you transition from home to work from home? And what can you do to start making that a little easier for yourself? Thank you for sharing that. I, interestingly enough, on my commute to work, which just so happens to be about 30 minutes, I have decided and committed to not playing any music. It is completely silent on the way in. And mm-hmm. I try to notice small things that I always allow to, to be just out of my peripheral. So small tree branches, or I often identify and see hawks or whatnot. Um, and so it just sets my day up really well, but it's more difficult for me to do that after I leave because all of the day's work has, it just kind of feels like it has weighed me down. And so when I get in and take that 30 minute drive home, I'm less likely to be like, okay, let me turn my radio off and I'm going to try to breathe. And I'm going to try to do everything that I did this morning because I'm already kind of in that funk. So being intentional about that and, Mm -hmm. and thinking about, and I like how you said too, you know, leave it, leave it outside and think about, in a way, I, I pictured closing a book or doing something that makes it seem very fine, like final, and then now introducing myself to my new space, if it's home and, and my new role sort of a thing. So when you said that, those are all the things that were going on in my head going, mm-hmm. okay, be more intentional about doing it after. Mm-hmm. So for work from um, work to home and how to make sure that I cut it off really and be intentional about separating and segmenting those. Uh, So with that, then we are at the end of our time together, but I'd really like for you to be able to share what are your, what are you currently doing with educators first? And if people who are watching or listening are excited and want to learn more or maybe just do a little bit more investigation or even want to reach out and ask you questions or connect with you, um, what are some ways that they can do that? So we have our email, 
educators are first um, at gmail.com. And so that's going to be the best way for you to reach us if you haven't already joined our group. We have our new website in which you'll be able to message us from right there. You can join our group from right there. And this year we've actually made our group available to um, if an individual wants to buy a membership, if a whole school system does or a whole school district wants to buy one. We really support the idea of entire school districts buying this so that all of their staff uses this as an opportunity to grow and to have support. Um, but we will put that website down for you. Thank you. And do you want to add some um, contacts? I was or information? just going to add that um, Anna and I have also talked about, you know, wanting to reach as many school districts as we possibly can. And so um, our um, rates that we have are for the upcoming school year, but if there are schools that want to join now, we'll allow that to happen so they, they can get bonus time um, mm -hmm. from now until next year too. And so um, now is definitely the time to join. I know it's to the end of the school year, but I kind of feel like, yes, <laughs> end of the school year is stressful. Yeah. So I know we just ended quarter three today. Mm -hmm. And so I know we've still got a quarter of the year left. And so even if schools are thinking like, oh, man, there's not much time left. Join now. It's like that bonus time. And then mm -hmm. you'll have us all next year as well. And we'll make sure everything is, we'll link all of these different pieces mm -hmm. onto the resource sheet. So they very mm -hmm. much like, like, everything that you offer, it becomes really super personalized for right. how they want to reach out and, and connect and mm -hmm. learn more. Uh, so thank you. Thank you, Mallory and Anna, for joining me, for sharing your stories, for sharing about all of the amazing things that Educators First is currently doing and that is dreaming and making a reality um, to be mm -hmm. able to support educational stakeholders. And like you said, not teachers alone, but the entire community, because it come, becomes so, so much more sustainable uh, and impactful when everybody is understanding that their needs are all being, um, being brought to the table and are all being equally valued. So I appreciate that you've taken the time to be able to share all of those things with me. Thank you to all of you for listening and or watching and taking the time to join our Learning Minnesota conversation with Anna and Mallory of Educators First. Don't forget to visit our site, www.learningminnesota.com for additional resources on this particular topic and more videos in our resource library.